Welcome to Annasbrook Church. We hope this message from our lead pastor, Graham Hislop, empowers and encourages you. To hear more from our church, make sure you subscribe or visit our website at annasbrook.co.nz for a service near you. Well, um, really excited. Brilliant. If uh, Jared did welcome everybody, but just a huge welcome. I've got such an expectation uh, already, just even, you know, we could shut this puppy down. We had, we had a great time in God's presence. Uh, but I've got a great expectation for just, you know, what God might want to say to us. And I thought that I'd just keep it really lighthearted this morning. Um, just a nice topical thought for everyone. You know, just, just chill. Um, and so I've titled this, uh, Christ's Supreme Power Over Everything. Just something lighthearted, just something casual. You know, just something kind of like, just, just mellow. You know what I mean? Has anyone ever seen those um, Facebook flights advertised? Someone's planned a trip, and now they're selling their flight tickets on Facebook. you ever seen that? Um, 82 people want to go to Auckland on, you know, this precise date and time. Um, and, they, and typically now, people know, like, they're selling the tickets for not much of a discount. Like, the other day I saw these tickets, and I thought, that's about 5% off a real ticket. Like, I don't know, you know, people are just using the platforms. And, and um, I don't know how much you think about this. But uh, we, we knew some people, Rebecca and I know some people, they don't live in, in Nelson, they don't come to this church, so we can talk about them. But um, no, I'm joking, I'm joking, sort of. But um, So the, the husband had booked a ticket to go somewhere, right, a different city, but then couldn't, like something had come up. And so get this, um, the wife was like, that's all right, I'll just go. And so um, that's what they did. And if you don't know how this works, you've got to travel. You can't change the names without paying, right? So you're traveling. So she turned up to the airport and she um, uh, checked in. It all went okay. Um, settled in. The call came up. Um, f- phone on flight mode. Went out. Um, hopped on the plane. Put the bag under the seat. Everything out. A book. Started reading a book. And um, just before they closed the door, because everyone's boarded, <laughs> these feet come down the uh, middle aisle. And then another set of feet. And she, she told us she had the sense like um, th- these weren't good feet. These, these weren't happy feet. And so she just looks across and the hostie and a security guard just say, please stand up and come with us. And anyway, <laughs> had to get all of her stuff out from under the seat and all, all of the stuff from the overhead locker. And <laughs> said that it was absolutely humiliating and terrible. But um, the, the reason uh, this happened is because she doesn't have a very manly name. And the hostie had seen on the manifesto that it should have a man's name in that seat. And, uh, and it turns out, right, that if they don't want you to fly on a flight, that they have the right in the law to refuse you uh, entry or refuse that flight. Uh, the airline has supreme jurisdiction um, even if you technically brought the flight, even if it went through your own bank account, even if you, you purchased it, if it's not in your name as making us aware, just a lighthearted thing, that there are spiritual intruders that will stop at nothing to take your rightful seat in life. In fact, I started to think about this. I don't think there is a single book of the Bible that does not deal with this, either at a metaphorical level or at a specific detail. I started to think even more. I started to look at the writings of Paul, the writings of Jesus. Um, it, it's just like holistically, it's just like this is, this is this whole thing. There's a fight going on. 
Um, and look, it hasn't always been this way at the creation of the world. These entities did not exist in the world realm. They were ushered in through Adam's folly, really. And that's the holistic reading of Scripture is that God then, because of his great love for humanity, doesn't want humanity destroyed and so sends Jesus. Jesus summarized it in John 10.10 when he said this quite clearly. The thief comes only to steal, kill, and destroy. But the reason I'm here is that I've come that you may have life. Basically, everything that's opposite to life is what the enemy's come to do. And even some of us would feel awkward about talking about this this morning because our society and our culture has taken this conversation from us so much so that we don't even want to acknowledge evil. We don't want to admit it's there. We've trivialized it so that only teenage werewolves on Twilight can talk about it. And the rest of us are sort of like deemed powerless to have any conversation. Um, I've had moments, I've honestly had moments in my life where I've like, there is something strange in the neighborhood. Who am I going to call? Goatbusters. No. <laughs> Do you remember the TV series in the 80s? It was like, it was prolific. I'm not sure about ghosts and Casper's not actually named in the New Testament at all. But what I do know is if the scripture I'm about to read you is true, then we've really got to comprehend, we've got to somehow grasp at it. Because there are powers and there are entities, but they may not look like what we think they look like. And they may not work like we think they work. Ephesians chapter 6 is the bit of scripture, and just a bit of context, it's a really, it's the last part of, this, of the, the letter, and it's a really strange way for Paul to finish his writings. And in fact, in Ephesians, they are one of the most wealthiest cultures that were ever present during that era of around 70-something AD. So rich, so wealthy, so much um, idols, they were sexed up, they were moneyed up. They, they, were, they were just, it was wild. And people were getting sick of it. People just like, they were just over it. And were coming to the Jesus reality, coming to follow Jesus. So Paul's kind of, his thing is like getting that message of hope that's real hope, not through indulging our senses, but actually through the love of God through Christ. But then he's got to do his kind of a job of saying, well, look, now you know the knowledge and you've come to the knowledge and you set your faith in Jesus. We're going, we're going to live it out. And, and, you know, dying and going to heaven one day is awesome, but not so awesome if it's just a hell of a life on earth while you wait. And, and, you know, the kingdom is still breaking its way in everybody, even right now as we speak. Someone's going to get a revelation today. Even if it was one person, they're going to walk out of this place, and the kingdom, like yeast and a batch of dough, Jesus said, will find its way into the world somehow. Just through the way that you start to look at life, start to embrace life, start to live your life. So that's what Paul was doing, and it's, it's, not, it's not a great affirmation ending, although it is. It goes like this. Finally, I want you guys in Ephesus coming into this knowledge of Jesus to be strong in the Lord and in his mighty power. And I feel like if he was before us today speaking with us in 2021, I think he would say this. Listen, there's no use being weak in God. You can, be, you can find we, your weaknesses, he said, God has even grace for those. But there ultimately is no point being a mamby-pamby, weak Christian in 2021. He said that. He said this in 70-something AD or whatever it was. So therefore, and this was the um, imagery of the time, start to put on an armor, an armor of God, so that you can take your stand against the devil's schemes. Oh, that's pretty strong. Devil has schemes. For our struggle is not against our children who don't go to bed at night. Although I would uh, debate it. Why is it when you feed them, they don't want to eat? And why is it when you put them to bed, they're like, I'm starving? No, 
You're the personification of the devil. <laughs> um, what? It's a thought and it's gone. So, so our struggle's not against some of those things. Like, there's those things. But Paul puts it bluntly against rulers, authorities, powers of this dark world. Oh, but the world's beautiful. I'm hugging trees once a week now. What? I mean, there is this idea that the world becomes beautiful when Jesus opens your eyes, but Paul's like, no, no, no. There are elements to this world that we've got to start to come to grips with. There's darkness, spiritual forces. He uses the word evil of the heavenly in the heavenly realms. Therefore, put on the full armor of God so that when the day of evil comes, and what's the whole thing? You're just going to be able to stand your ground. So you're just not going to get smashed, knocked down, dealt with, left, right, and center. We get knocked down, but we get up again. Ain't nothing going to hold us down. We get knocked down. <laughs> now, that's what you call music. That's what should have gone on. But, you know, a lot of us aren't standing that well, and we think it's our mother-in-law. Or some of us, I'm, not me personally. No, no, not me personally. You good, Sandra? Um, you know, some of, some of us are getting knocked down, and we think it's, oh, it's this, and it's that, and it's, and it's me. And I, I, yeah, maybe. But here's some questions. What do these powers look like? What do they do? How do they work? Are they here right now? Boo! You know, are they? Sorry, that's weird. If, if we were having this convo in 1988, the answer would be they everywhere. They're in my washing machine. I mean, the amount of demons I heard talked about in people's washing machines. I grew up in a Christian family and, my, and something broke down in the washing machine. Spiritual attack. No, no. It was secondhand when they bought it. Someone walks into the garage and drops their hammer. The devil is attacking me. Or it's your grip strength. I mean, you know, either or. You know, go to the gym. It got so crazy that people would punch their car, get a hole in their tie, and they're like, I just really feel like the enemy's out to get me. It's like, we live in a, we live in a fallen world. And, and I know, so, so that's the climate I grew up in. So what I did, because I couldn't quite reason and reconcile it all, is I threw it all out. I was like, that's rubbish. That's the washing machine. Because I just, it just wasn't, it's not that it wasn't sitting right. I just couldn't understand. So anyway, I threw it out until I was about 23. And when I was 23, I became a youth pastor. It's just, you know, it's not how Jared is or any other youth pastor. But for me, my job description was just professional idiot. <laughs> we, we loved young people and wanted to reach young people. But we did very close on illegal things to do so. One, one Friday night, we decided that to reach more young people, we would have a sheep racing contest in this auditorium. Were you there for it? I rang a farmer. I said, do you have five sheep? He said, I have more than five. I said, can you bring us five? He agreed. What can you do when a farmer agrees? So he brought them in, and we put down polythene and hay bales, and then we selected from the group of 170 teenagers five of the lightest sheep jockeys. It was a true story. And um, work, workplace, uh, work and safety, health and safety, work, what is it? Safe. Anyway, didn't exist. And so I think Osh did. But anyway, we did the sheep racing and then we led people to Jesus. It was just utterly brilliant. One, uh, one other event we did um, was similar, a similar undertone. And this time, you, you can imagine the amount of letters that were written to maybe uh, Brent, but quite a few. And um, it, this one event didn't go as well as the sheep racing. And uh, mum got really upset, and that's not cool. And like, with all jovialness aside, um, there, was an, <laughs> there was actually a meeting organised. 
So anyway, I was 23. I'd just really only been in the job probably seven or eight months. And she she just began to express her heart about, you know, what had happened. And I, I was open to apologising. It's just that oftentimes when there's emotion involved, well, the meeting went for an hour and a half. And I didn't talk for much. And things in it were things said like, you don't care about young people at all. You only care about yourself. And I thought, well, that's totally true, but you don't have to say it in front of Brent. <laughs> or like, she said... You shouldn't even be in this job. Also totally true. You know, only God knows why that happened. And there were some other things said as well that were just really, really brutal. And the meeting finished, and this is what I want you to hear now, okay? Forget washing machines and forget hammers. And listen to this. The meeting finished, and that's where the games really began. I arrived home, and it was like this dark cloud just hung over me. I don't know if you've ever felt that. Just unusual discouragement. It's natural as a human to experience discouragement, but the kind of discouragement that just goes so much deeper than anything you've known. And I, I said to Rebecca, this is what's happened, I began to cry. What a man. And, and, and I said, who would do this job? Stuff this. And, I, I, and feeling like that just wasn't common for me. Then I would see this mum because she was in the church. And she didn't actually stay in the church because they in me just went... I would naturally have a sense of confidence, and I feel like God-based confidence. But it's weird. It's like that conversation and like this thing that was hanging over me. And I, I just, I just, I reckon maybe three or four months it was like this. I was worship leading a lot then, and I'd stand up here, and then I was like, if she's not here this Sunday, it's it's going to be fine. And then she was there the next Sunday. I was like, I can't. I, I just can't do what I feel like I can do. Weird, eh? Some of you have felt that in meetings. Um, some of you have felt that even in family circles. You, that kind of like something is not, something's off. At about the four-month mark of this going on, I suddenly can see that this is weird, and this is not me. And actually, I don't like this. What am I doing? In this realization, this weird realization, I even realize it's not even about her. People say weird things. There was something else going on. I was experiencing intimidation. The whole op, uh, mode of operation is to shut down the freedom, shut down the optimism, or we would call it hope, shut down the life of God. These are spiritual forces, invisible to the eye, impossible to recognize if culture tells you that these things don't exist. And once I worked out that this was actually not about her, but it was something totally separate. It was actually about what was going on in me. I had a conversation with Jesus. And the conversation went like this. Lord, this is dumb. I'm done with this. I've had enough of this. It might have gone on for 90 seconds or something like that. And as quickly as it came, it left. Totally left. The cool story about this actually is they shifted cities. And about six years later, they came to church on a Sunday. Just happened to come to church. And she made a beeline for me. She said, hey, can I talk to you? And I was thinking, yeah. <laughs> and she said this, I have to apologize to you. She said, do you remember a meeting we had many years ago? And I was like, mm, not really. Uh, remind me. <laughs> she said this, I was totally out of line. I was totally upset and angry. I'm so sorry. I, should, I shouldn't have done that. And I was like, I, that's okay. Because as parents, we say things and 
And as, as individuals, stuff goes on and just, just stuff works out that way. And, and this is what you've got to sort of understand Paul's saying is it's not really her and what she's saying. It's the spirit that can come and attach itself on it and cause havoc with you. I, I just wrote some things down that are a little bit like that spirit, you know, like just, just um, unexplainable depression. I mean, I don't want to get into this whole thing of what is good mental health, bad mental health, what stuff do we do and not do, but I want to put it out there that sometimes you can just come under such a cloud. I want to say this, that I think hopelessness is quite demonic. Hopeless, hope means expectation of the future. When Brian Houston, a great pastor, said the best is yet to come, he didn't even, he didn't even originally coin that phrase. It was C.S. Lewis who said, echoing the words in second, first or second Corinthians of Paul, that these momentary troubles are nothing compared to the glory that is coming. Even if you feel like you've had your biggest win, your best day, you've, you've, you've bet all records, guess what? You are only one step away from walking into the presence of God in eternity. It is game on, people. The best is yet to come. There is a glory. There is a wonder. There is something worth holding on to. And, and we've just got to start to recognize it. And as quickly as it came, it left. And this is why. Because Jesus has supreme power over everything. Everything. Matthew 8, 23, Jesus traveling by boat with his disciples. He went to sleep. Huge storm comes in. And the water is coming into the hull. This is not good if you understand boating. This is a physics issue. It's only a matter of time before that boat is now under the water. And Jesus is oblivious, it seems. He's sleeping. He's chilled. Disciples freak out. He goes, Jesus, Jesus, wake up. And he goes, guys, and I'm going to paraphrase it. You ready? What is your faith in? You know, everyone in the room, you've got to know something. Ready? Everyone in this room has faith. But it's just what it's in is what matters. And he says this. He says, why don't you just, why don't you just trust? Why don't you believe? And he stood up and he goes to the wind. Oi, stop. And waves, chill. Instantly they do. And the disciples say this. My gosh, even the wind and the waves obey him. Total authority. He, can, he has authority over creation. Matthew 28, after the resurrection, after the um, death, the burial and resurrection, Jesus came to his disciples and said this, all authority is now given unto me in all of heaven and on earth. Okay, okay, okay. Um, N.T. Wright, the great scholar, said that Jesus had already ruled over everything apart from the earth realm. Why? Because his humans were given it away. To what? Powers, principalities, entities, evil, fallenness. But praise God for a Jesus who didn't just die so we could only have our sins forgiven. Praise God for the Jesus who died and he took the authority back. He took it back. He took it back. And, it, and then he goes on, it goes on to say that literally in Colossians 2, everything of God gets expressed in Jesus and he rules over everything. So you might say, okay, sweet, but hold up. If that's the case, why are there idiots out there? Why do, why do people travel 10K below the speed limit on a highway and then speed up when there's a passing lane? <laughs> Powers and principalities, I'm telling you. That's what it is. Why is there suffering? Why is there evil? Why, if Jesus has supreme power over everything, why is there still cancer? Why is there still sickness? Why is there still stuff that goes on that isn't that good or fun? Well, it's not because Jesus doesn't have supreme power over everything. Listen now. It's not. It's actually because 
He has supreme power over everything. Don't miss this. But in his great wisdom and his manifest love, because that's how he works everything out. He works out his will through his manifest love. He rathered a life-by-life work rather than a come in, holy smack down, rip everything else and burn and shred it to pieces. He would rather that he deal with us one by one, working out if we are wheat or chaff, playing a long game with it. Not that we would suffer, but because of his long-suffering love, he just did believe that someone would call on his name and want to be with him. He has supreme power over everything, but the way that he's expressed that power is a different kind of wisdom to what you and I could ever understand. It's, it's, it's going to the hot spot with your kid rather than the wooden spoon. I actually like the wooden spoon. The hot spot is, seems way too subtle. Jesus is more like the super nanny than he is a tyrant. He has supreme power over everything. And then the shock of our lives is this moment when then he comes in and he says, so yeah, I have authority over all things. Now, why don't you go? What's that now? Why don't you go? I'm going to give you this authority. One of the reasons why some Christians just feel like it's so boring is because they don't realize that we've been called co-laborers and co-heirs with Christ. What? To deal with the spiritual realm that's on our washing machines. You know, um, in Ephesians 6, it, it just goes on to say, so finally be strong in the Lord and His mighty power. Put on the full armor of God. I'm, I'm, I'm going to explain how we do this, how we go, therefore, and how we can actually stand against some of these things because Christ has supreme power over everything. I want to talk about it just really briefly here. He says, therefore, put on the full armor of God so that when the day of evil comes, you'll be able to stand your ground. And after you've done everything to stand, listen, therefore then, with a belt of truth buckled around your waist. Now, People who've gone to Sunday school are going to instantly have this imagery of this first century Jewish soldier. And it's fine. It was totally relevant for Paul's day. They were walking the streets. But you might need to swap the imagery out. You might need to illustrate it in your mind in real time. You might just need to think creatively here because it's not about the soldier, imagery of the soldier. Listen to the superlatives. Listen to the words that he's using to try to describe it. He says, Listen, we need a belt of truth buckled around our waist. We need a breastplate of righteousness in place. We need our feet firmly fitted with the readiness that comes from the gospel of peace. And in addition, take up the shield of faith, which you can extinguish all the flaming hours of the evil one. Take the helmet of salvation. It's our thinking. And the sword of the Spirit is what? The Word of God. And he finishes with saying, And why don't you add to it a peppering of prayer, prayer, prayer. Every way you can pray, pray it through. So here it goes. You ready? What happens is when these entities, when these squatters, spiritual squatters, when these invaders sitting in our seat, they shouldn't be there. When they come on our lives, that moment that I had with the Lord, I'm done with this. I had enough of it. Squashing the life out of me. When we engage with these things, not only do we repel, deal with them in the great authority of God, but we stay protected. And so here it is, you ready? First of all, truth. Listen to this. The number one way to stuff up your life is to believe a lie. And the number one way to free up your life is to grab hold of the truth. And the line seems to be very blurred. Seems to be like either one extreme or the other. 
You know, John 8, 32 says that you shall know the truth and the truth shall make you free. That word know is a, is a Greek word known as an intimate knowing, like a husband knows a wife, like a wife knows a husband. It's actually not just a knowledge know. And we've got to get so, this thing comes up, I should have just, at 23, I should have been quicker. I've learned over the years how to get quicker to spot something. So sometimes Rebecca, Rebecca's good at this. We'll just be um, everyday life. I'm making dinner a lot, guys. You know, I'm doing a lot of the chores. And um, it's a modern world, Jared. You should do the same. And, and, and so we'll just be in the kitchen. We'll be just doing life, right? Seriously. And we'll start talking about a topic. And um, hey, there's lots of topics. When COVID hit and we weren't sure exactly how things would work for the church, and we're thinking about all these layers and lines, I started to think, shivers God, we don't want to have to lay off any staff at all. I mean, no one really knew what was going to happen. But I made a conscious decision in that moment. I, I refuse that we'll lose anyone. I refuse it. You know, our giving overall, what a generous people. What a generous people because our giving went up over that time. The trends were not that globally. Just, just one decision to say to stand firm in something. Rebecca will be in the kitchen doing something. And Rebecca will, will be talking about something, right? An issue, a, a thing. And she'll just go this. She'll go like this. It's spiritual. And I'll, have, I'll be peeling the carrot or we'll be doing something like really practical. And just have to stop in that moment. Let's pray. We don't organize a prayer meeting, guys. God's, God's authority doesn't come to us when we've been spiritual enough. We have it. So we will stop. And she's like, that's spiritual. So we will pray. And we will pray the truth of God's Word together until something moves. Sometimes it moves straight away. Sometimes it takes a few days. Some things take a little bit longer. But regardless, right, we can spot it. Someone sitting in that scene shouldn't be there. Fear is around their life in a way too great a way. We've got to, we've got to pray into that. We've got to believe. That's what happens when we hold to the truth. We believe that in a greater reality. Second of all, righteousness is just saying, my rightness is in Christ Jesus as a gift. That's the gift of righteousness. And that's what Paul was saying. Don't try and do self-righteousness. Don't try and self-strive in yourself. If you take on the gift of righteousness, you're going to bounce every demonic power off you. What's the worst of those? Shame, condemnation, and a constant message looping in your mind, you're unworthy. And Jesus sits over there saying this, you're not unworthy. I gave you my worthiness. I am making you righteous, but we've got to choose to put it on. When you put on righteousness at the beginning of the day, guess what you set yourself up for? A deeming, busting. You don't like that language, but I'm up for it. I'm, I, I, just can, I can just deal with stuff. Again, it's a journey, but I, just, I know who I am in God. He went on to say this one, the gospel of peace. It's so very important for us to realize that when Jesus is in charge, there should be peace. And I find that's quite a passive thing to fight with. Like if you were in a fight and someone said, take a sword, you know, take a gun, take a bulldozer, or you can have some classical music. You know, you'd be like, no thanks. But the peace of God is a get opposite to every entity of darkness. And when you walk in peace, John 14, 27 says, peace will be left with you and peace will be given to you and it fights on your behalf. How good is that? I'm just going to walk in peace and some of these things that come against me. You know what? I'm just going to trust God on this. Which leads us to the next one, a shield of faith. You know what faith is? Just choosing to believe. I don't even know what I'm choosing to believe for. It doesn't matter. Just choose to believe. 
I'm just going to believe. God will work it out. Mark 9, 23, everything is possible for the one who believes. I think that when we stop believing, we start making room for aliens. I do. Doubt is not the opposite of faith, by the way. Doubt is actually a journey to faith. Unbelief is. It's like rock solid. You swear that you swear that you swear that. Can't be done. God wants this. So you just start your day. When you wake up and you just go, God, I choose to believe. Principalities are just bouncing off you. Faith. Faith. So good. Salvation thinking. That's the helmet of salvation. Most battles are won and lost in our mind. 2 Corinthians 10.5, we take on every thought captive, make it obedient to the reality and the truth of Jesus. Strongholds fall when you say in your mind, because I don't even think I prayed that prayer about that situation out loud to God. I'm pretty sure I just thought it. There are a number of thoughts that just aren't right. A number of thoughts going on in people's minds that are just like satanic. We've just got to bring God into them. The best way to fight against a bad thought is to actively think a good thought. This is good preaching, man. This is good. So when you feel envy, which is a spiritual squatter, envy has got a spirit attached to it. Oh man, at these people, they're, they're doing well, they're going ahead in life and you're starting to feel jealous and envious, right? If you let it fester too long, you can build a spiritual dynamic. What you're doing, you, said is, you say is this, God, I choose today to celebrate. And I thank you that the best is still yet to come for us. I speak blessing over my own life. Jealousy does nothing. Envy does nothing. It just locks you up. It locks you up. Lastly, uh, second to lastly, sword of the Spirit, the Word of God. Oh, it turns out we should read our Bibles for more than just being good Christians. What we're going to do is we're going to find that it is a sword of the Spirit sharper than any knife or sword, and it's more accurate than bullets. It goes to the issue and it just like, and when you pray the Word, next level, And when you meditate on the Word, you don't have to just memorize Christian cliches. You think about how God delivered Israel at the Red Sea. He shall deliver you. Start to think about the way that God raised Jesus from the dead. It's in the Word. He'll raise me up. Think about people who are healed. God is still a God of healing. Can I hear an amen? Where do we get that from? Not Google. We get it from the Word of God. I wonder what this pain is. I might Facebook it. You could Facebook it. Google it. I might Or I can stand and I can just start to meditate on the Word. Hey, that's quite cool. And then prayers of all kinds. So that you may better stand your ground. That's right. Loud, quiet, whispers, moans, groans. Holy Spirit, He takes all of them. The Bible says the Holy Spirit is right here with us. The gift of God, taking the prayer that you don't even know how to pray and making something powerful of it. And what did He say? If you walk in those things, guys, and I know I haven't really done it justice, so you might want to go do some Bible study this afternoon. You might want to read Ephesians 6 and just think about those active things. You know, people who've come up under spiritual stuff and they just can't get free of it, oftentimes those things have gone by the wayside. But I feel like I'm here today with an assignment just to all together collectively, just bring us back into, bring us back into a wonderful, wonderful place. And for two reasons. One is that you might feel like there's spiritual dynamics going on around your life. And I just feel like we're going to pray right now. I just feel like we're really going to speak freedom over people. I just feel, I can feel it in my bones. I, I just going to, I'm going to do that. And then secondly, because I think some of us have been called to do this on humanity's behalf. How come, Graham? Why do you say, look, and it's been worked out in our everyday lives. What an adventure it is to follow Jesus. 
What an adventure it is. Amen? So we're going to pray today. We're going to pray. Everyone good? It's funny in these moments, sometimes a real tiredness and apathy and lethargy can come on us. It's often um, spiritual. Either that or you just had like four pieces of white bread. But I doubt you have. I doubt it. It's a keto world. A lot of people are in ketosis right now. Right now, a lot of people. Holy Spirit's moving in the ketosis. I want to ask everyone just to give a couple of minutes. Just walked in today one way. Just walked in one way. You're just going to walk out lighter. It will be a platform for you to build something off, you know. I don't believe in magic wand to Christianity. Somehow you take on a new personality. Man, we'd love that sometimes, eh? I would love that personality. It's like, no, go and build it, you know. I love with our night school guys, we're talking about prophecy at the moment, hearing the voice of God. My gosh, it was radical on Monday night. I didn't even tell them they were about to do it and they just flicked into it and someone gave a word over someone. Said, I just feel like um, it's weird. I see children. I also weird. I feel like you're going to be a voice. Yeah, this is weird. Um, uh, You've got, got a new job. Yeah, God's going to use you really powerfully. That's weird. I didn't tell them who they were giving these words over. We were using Zoom. And I said, hey, it was this lady. It might have been Rachel, I think. And I go, Rachel, unmute. Was that relevant? And she goes, I've just got a job as a Christian counselor for children and I've been worried about it. God knows. Spirit of God searches all things. In this moment, He knows. He knows what's going on. And I'll just stand here today. I'll just stand here. I'll fight for you. You might not be able to fight for yourself. I'll just fight for you. I've got faith for this. We'll fight. And others of us, I just feel like it's a commissioning moment. So I'm going to walk in this. Come on. Everyone, would you stand to your feet for just a moment? We'll just pray. Let's just pray. The name of Jesus. Jesus has supreme power over everything. Just close your eyes. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. We don't manipulate you into this room, Jesus. You're here. We don't hype it up. God's working right now. God is working right now in this place. Thank you, Lord. Thank you that you're at work. Some of you are just sensing His uh, work. Thank you, Lord. Beautiful. Let your heart just reach out. Yeah, Phil, just play that for a minute. As David ministered, there's like a breath. Don't you know that he knows? Just open your heart up. Open your mind up. Great Holy Spirit, come. Just in the days of old, come today. God so glad we're here with you Lord see yourself gathered around his feet maybe um, just with our eyes closed maybe you need to kneel or something that would be radical but maybe you just got to surrender something you know just my one thought God I've had enough of this I reckon there's people here and, and this is your prayer I've had enough of this God I've had enough of this squatter needs to get out of my seat out of my peace out of my purpose out of my marriage out of my children's lives had enough of this 
yes, Lord. I'm going to pray in just a minute, but He's already working. too big for you. <laughs> no problem too small that you wouldn't care for. It. Freedom, Lord. Lord. Alright, let's pray. If you just need, uh, you just know there's something going on. We're going to close our eyes. I'm going to even close my eyes. Let's lift our hands to the Lord if you're just like, yeah, actually, could you pray for me today? We're going to take authority today over some things, and I'm just going to believe. I need you to believe, though, okay? Well, believe what? Okay, just believe that God is greater. Just believe that He's got authority over all things. Just That's all you got to do. You don't need to stress about how it's going to work out. Just lift your hands. You might be lifting your hands for a neighbor. You might be lifting your hands for a workmate. You might be lifting your hands for a family member. I don't know. Just stuff going on. Just tricky, tricky stuff. Others lifting your hands, those who just want to take up this charge to be... Uh, to be soldiers in the Lord's army as we would have said years gone by. Just to, yeah, I can go in, Lord. I'll go. Okay, you go. You go with that. Whatever it is. Let's lift our hands. Come on. Now, Father, in the mighty name of Jesus, I thank you that you see every need. You see every heart. You know every every person. And Lord, you value love and, and just, just absolutely love. I, I ask your love would manifest in this place right now. And break chains. Break chains, break strongholds, break, Lord, restrictions over people's minds, over their, over their homes. I stand against depression. I stand against rage. Rage, I break you in Jesus' name. Anger, anger, just pent up anger. I just break you. The frustration of not getting ahead and, well, that's not sickness. I just come against every negativity. I just come against everything they would try to really hamper. They would try to hold, and I don't know them all, Lord, but you do. And so in the name of Jesus, we speak freedom. We speak freedom. We speak the name of Jesus. Speak the name of Jesus. Come on, James, pray with me, buddy. Come on. We hope you enjoyed this message. If you're wondering what the next step in your faith journey looks like, please get in touch with us. Email us at info at or visit our website.